0: My message today is called Visible Faith. Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verse 1. And again, Jesus entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Verse 2. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. When we look at the life and ministry of Jesus here on earth, it was so complex. It was filled with incredible teachings and miracles and challenges that we fail to understand some of the greatest difficulties that he faced. We know he was debated by the teachers of the law and mocked by the ruling elite. We know he was accused by those who were envious of the attention that he received. It would certainly be exhausting knowing that he always not only had to prepare to get ready for the, to teach, but he always had to prepare for another detractor in the crowd who came for the mere purpose of criticizing him or trying to discredit him publicly. But what about the people who liked Jesus? Did you ever consider how all of his followers and the literal swarms of people affected him at every stop? Have you ever just had a time where you just didn't want to be near people? Have you ever just went to the store and oh no, I oh I just don't, I just want I don't want someone to notice me? And that's just part of our human nature. Even for people that like us, what what about that for Jesus? The pushing, the crowding the jostling of hundreds of people trying to get closer. And keep in mind, most of these people were sick, were impatient, were frustrated and loud and probably annoying. And yet once he was surrounded, he did not move until he addressed every single one of their needs, day after day. There are countless scriptures that that says Jesus healed them all. Not until they flicker the lights and says it's closing time. He healed them all, all day. How do you think that you would have handled that part? Do you think that you might get tired of people after a while? Do you think you might get cynical? That you might rush through each person just so that you can get done and put your feet up? Not Jesus. He had time for every single one. He showed compassion and genuine love and had personal interest every single time. For a personal application, when you consider the hundreds or thousands of people thronging Jesus... Consider that these are all the times that just you yourself have turned to Jesus. Times when you were sick. Times when you were desperate, that you needed an answer now. Times when you were angry or confused. Times when you were lost or in danger or impatient or hurt. Times when you were in the middle of temptation. Times when you were full of shame or knee deep in sin and guilty. Times when you were lonely or in despair or holding a grudge against someone else or times when you were just numb. Every time you turn to Jesus. Every single time. In every single situation. He always has time for you. Listening to your hearts. Understanding your pain sensing your urgency, and still wanting you to come closer. He never ignores you. He never avoids you. He always is bidding you to come closer. That's Jesus. Our Lord. Our comfort. Our shelter. The One to whom we always turn with every need at any time. How amazing is He? All of us, every one of us, gets tired at times. In fact, most we get tired of being around people at times. Most of us, if we're honest, get tired of ourselves at times. I know it's not just me, but not Jesus. He doesn't get tired of you. He has, there's no bubble or personal bubble that you can't invade with Him. He bids you to come closer. How amazing is that? He brings time of refreshing to our souls just being in His presence. He makes us matter. He loves us. He understands us. And He lives inside everyone who chooses to receive Him and follow after him. This is Jesus. Amen? Mark 2, verse 3. Then they came to him, they came to Jesus, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Four men came to Jesus, bringing another man who was able to come on his own. I ask you, every one of you, who are you bringing to Jesus today? If you look around and say, no one, I'm all by myself, then you've misunderstood my question. You see, like this paralytic man, there are many, many people who are unable to come to Jesus on their own. Some are paralyzed by sin. Some by shame. Some by doubt and some by ignorance. Some are paralyzed by pride thinking that they've done nothing wrong and they have no need for Jesus. There are many who believe that they are already with Jesus but their own deception is their paralysis preventing them from being convicted by the truth. Some are paralyzed by false teaching thinking that they have received Jesus or false teaching about Jesus. Some have been paralyzed by rejection or by disappointment or by tragedy. Some are paralyzed because they put their faith more in people than in God. And when people let you down, and we all do, especially when Christians let you down, they turn away from God. Regardless of how people are paralyzed from coming to Jesus, the truth is there. They need the help of others. They need you. The first thing that you must do if you are bringing someone to Jesus, the very first thing that you need to do is to notice them. Noticing someone means that you see them individually apart from their condition or their problem or their situation. It also means that you don't judge them because of their situation or how they are responding to it easy to judge someone because they're not reacting the way that you think that they should, or they're being too mean, or they're too critical, or they're too insensitive. But let me ask you a question. If they don't have Jesus in their lives, how do you expect them to act? Why would we expect them to be handling the situation well? That's why they need Jesus. Without Jesus, of course they're going to flounder. Of course they're going to react in a Difficult way. Of course they're going to get frustrated and offend you and others and not know what to do. Noticing them means that you notice someone who needs Jesus. Listen to this. Every unbeliever is a candidate for coming to the Lord. We don't judge them. We notice them. And then you pray for them. If you take a look around you, outside of yourself, you see countless people who need Jesus. So the second step in bringing someone to Jesus, after you notice them, is to pray for them. Bringing someone to Jesus is not based solely on your efforts, but by God. So we begin praying to God to reveal Himself to someone. And for that person to know that God is drawing them near. We pray for healing. We pray for a willingness to change. We pray for an opportunity to share truth with someone. If I wasn't up here preaching right now, I would go outside right now and talk to Steve out here, our snow shoveler. I was doing a service uh, several years ago in our church, and there was a guy out painting our building, I walked out of the pulpit, and I went and told him that Jesus loved him, and I prayed for him, and then I came back in. That's what I feel like doing right now. Thank you, Reva. We pray for healing. We pray for a willingness to change. We pray for an opportunity to share truth with someone and to invite them to church or another event. We pray that this person wants help and accepts help. And we also pray unconditionally for that person when you pray unconditionally for a person, it means that even if they ignore you, even if they reject help or an invitation, we pray that God would meet them at their needs and reveal himself to them. And not everyone's going to receive your help, but we can stop and pray for others. <laughs> That's God moving on people's hearts. The third step in bringing someone to Jesus is being part of the solution. It's one thing to ask God to help another person, but if God wants you to bring the help, are you willing? If God wants you to get involved in someone else's life, do you obey? Even if it's inconvenient, even if it gets messy, even if it's difficult, how about if you don't get thanked or appreciated, would you be willing to get involved in someone else's life? This is our calling. This is the calling of Jesus—to be His hands and to be His feet in the world. We are all called to bring people to Jesus. So I ask you again: Who are you bringing to Jesus right now? Who was on your heart? Who was God convicting you to get involved in their lives? Who are is God asking you to notice? We all need Jesus. We all need that personal touch. Every one of us. None of us is perfect. All of us are somewhere on the continuum of, he, of Him helping us. So let me ask you, who has God put in your life right now for this reason? A neighbor? A family member? A fellow worker? A cashier? An old friend you've been reacquainted with? Who are you bringing to Jesus? Who will you commit to pray for and to stand with until Jesus has hold of your heart? Hi, Steve. You want a cup of coffee or something that we can get for you? Okay. In whose life are you willing to get involved? Are you willing to face any obstacle it takes to bring someone to Jesus? Mark 2, verse 4. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. The paralysis of their friend did not stop them. The crowd did not stop them. The roof did not stop them. Do you see the lesson here? Instead of feeling rejected or thinking that someone doesn't want help, we should expect obstacles. When bringing people to Jesus. We should expect to be offended. To not be appreciated. And for conversations and situations to not go our way. But we also should not stop trying. Just like these four men who broke through the roof to bring someone to Jesus. Too many times we are tempted to see others as an inconvenience or an annoyance or at the very least, someone else's problem. But if you are truly open to God in every situation that you face, regarding others, whether you are the prospective helper or whether you're the one that really needs help, every situation should be filtered through these four questions. Number one, why am I here at this point in life right now? Number two, why did God put this person or these people in my life? There are no accidents with God. Why did God bring this person cross my path right now? Number three, what does God want to teach me in this moment? Is this an opportunity? What does God want me to learn? And number four, what can I give to someone else? to bring them closer to Jesus. If we just stop to ask ourselves these questions when we come upon people, even if God just says, I just want you to pray for that person, you don't know what the need is, but trust me, they need your prayers, how much more praying would we be doing for the kingdom of God right now? But what happens if God said, I want you to do more? Would you be willing? Not every situation demands that you get involved personally. But there is a lot more in which we all would consider doing something if we just asked ourselves these questions. And we all would be bringing more people to Jesus in prayer and in other efforts. Mark 2, verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Did you see that? Because Jesus did. Jesus saw their faith. It was visible to him. Their faith had a grit, which grit is the combination of perseverance and resilience to come to Jesus. Does your faith demonstrate these qualities? Do you show perseverance in never giving up yourself and never giving up on others? Because that's what it takes. It will not always be easy. People expect to be let down. I don't know about you, but I spent a good portion of my life being depressed and seeing counselors and doctors, and I was depressed, and I was rejected in life. And over time, I expected that other people were going to let down. So when they came close to me, I kept rejecting them and not accepting them, and pretty soon they got tired of me rejecting, and they just went away. And I said, See, I told you you were going to let me down. Maybe you've done that before. Maybe you've dealt with someone. You wonder why they kept pushing away. It's because because of previous rejection, we tell ourselves people are going to let us down and we expect to be let down again. That's life. That's people who need Jesus. But we don't just let down others. We let ourselves down all the time. That's the way it is. But when you choose to keep going because Jesus has gotten a hold of your heart, when Jesus has touched you and made himself real to you, and you keep on going and you keep pressing in because his love is drawing you to him, that is real faith. It's not passive. It's real. Hebrews 11.6 says this, that without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. That He exists. For God is the rewarder of those who diligently, diligently seek Him. Perseverance is essential in seeking God by faith. God rewards those who actively seek Him by faith. You've heard me say this a hundred times. You know what perseverance is? It's by perseverance that the snails made it through the ark. Sometimes it seems like it's so long to get to Jesus and yet I'm going to continue to persevere and I'm going to let His love pull me there. But I have to be willing to go. That's perseverance. God rewards those who actively seek Him by faith, who don't stop at the first sign of doubt or the first question to which they can't find an answer. They continue seeking Him by faith those of you who have been going to church for a long time, who have been following Jesus for a long time, and you think that nobody notices you or how can God use you now, I will let you know that you are an inspiration to all of us. That you have continued on the faith. And you could have left, and things might not have gone your way. But the fact just your perseverance alone continues to seek God as an inspiration to the whole body of Christ. So keep on doing what you're doing, even if you think you're not doing enough. Your perseverance is inspiring to me. But grit is another part of faith. Grit is your resilience, which means you keep getting back up no matter how many times you've been knocked down. How many have been knocked down in your life? How many have been knocked down too many times to count? Right? We all have. But resilience tells you to get back up again. To bring someone to Jesus, you need to know for yourself first that things will not always be rosy and go well. Just because someone goes to Jesus, it doesn't mean all your problems go away. Your problems are still there, but now you have the answer. Someone who's always going to be with you. Life is tough, and just because you come to Jesus, it doesn't mean all the problems disappear. It doesn't mean you're never going to fail or never going to struggle or never going to mess up. But when you have Jesus in your life, when you have been forgiven and redeemed and the shame is gone and the the condemnation has taken off, when the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and empowers you, you will be resilient by His power. You will keep getting up. You will know that there is hope after every challenge. There is peace in every storm. It's the Holy Spirit living inside of you that makes you resilient and keeps you coming to Jesus. This is what you share when you bring people to Jesus. This is what gets other people thirsty for more of God. This is what you rely on to bring people to Jesus. But not everyone will be open to Jesus. There are always doubters and naysayers as in the story today. Mark 2, verses 6 and 7. And some of the scribes were sitting there, reasoning in their hearts, why does this man, speaking of Jesus, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Even though Jesus, the Son of God, is about to forgive and heal this man, some people are stuck in judgment and fail to see the true heart of Jesus. Verse 8. But immediately when Jesus perceived in the Spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, He said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Arise, take up your bed, And walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Whatever you think is your greatest need right now, I don't know what you're praying for God, but whatever you think is your greatest need, it often goes deeper than that, as it did for this man. When you hear prayer requests from a friend or from someone you know or from someone that you've heard, understand that the presenting problem is important, but the first need is usually deeper. Even though this man was paralyzed, it was not his greatest need. It is Jesus' heart to heal the greatest need when you are willing. The greatest need for all of us, whether we realize it or not, is to be forgiven. Every one of us sins. Every one of us falls short of the glory of God. Every one of us is subject to the truth in the the Bible that says that the wages of our sin is death. That if we don't do something with our sin, we are eternally separated from God. But if we turn to Him and accept His sacrifice, we are forgiven no matter what you have done. No matter what you've done. No sin can separate you from God if you're willing to turn it over to Jesus. God is in the act of restoration and bringing times of refreshing and forgiving you. That's why to him the most important thing was to forgive this man of his sins. To remove that weight of shame and guilt to be made right before God. Many people have grown up knowing God, they've heard about God, they followed Him for a part of life, and then something happened in life, whatever reason, and they drifted from God. And then they just feel, I've been away from God for so long. Does God even know my name? You better believe it. He knows your name. He's calling you by name to come to Him. Why? Because He loves you. And He wants to forgive you and heal you and redeem you and then, listen to this, and then use you to go bring others to Himself to share that same message. With forgiveness, we all can walk in freedom. Our desire should be that all of us are walking in freedom. Mark 2, verse 12. Immediately the man arose, He took up the bed and He went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God saying, We never saw anything like this. Once our sins are forgiven, God calls all of us to walk in freedom and to not take upon ourselves again the bondage of sin. This is why we bring people to Jesus. It's not about a certain church or a certain religion or a certain faith group. It's about getting people healed and forgiven so they can walk in the freedom that Jesus gives us. And if this is you, if you are the one who is in need of help, in need of forgiveness, in need of healing, then understand that it is God speaking to your heart right now. He knows your name. Do you know his?